prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is The Legend of Retro. Welcome to The Legend of Retro. I am Craig WK, and with me is my buddy, uh, who I couldn't not have on this episode. It's Xander. I thought you were going to say Sean and trick me like he was here. <laughs> Hello. He just he, he immediately <laughs> pops into our uh, Zoom call. Hey, guys. I mean, to be fair, the, with this game, I've never finished it. And I know we had that the thing in the past where uh, we, were, we all made a bet of who was going to finish the game first. And then you two did, and I didn't. So I thought maybe you would just be like, ah, take this. Surprise guest. <laughs> I, I was a bit of a tryhard uh, for that challenge. Yeah, you were a little bit. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, in my defense, I just thought, oh, I, you know, we've made this bet. Why would I not just do my best? And mm-hmm. then afterwards, I was like, hey, guys, I'm done. And you and Sean both were like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I was like, uh, I'm still grinding, like in the beginning. <laughs> uh, we're burying the lead pretty hard here. Uh, well, you guys have read the, the name of the episode. We're talking, of course, about Mother, a.k.a. Earthbound Zero a.k.a. Earthbound Beginnings. Yeah, uh, released for the Famicom in Japan on July 27th, 1989. This role-playing game is set in a land very similar to the United States of America and features a young boy with psychic powers who must uh, go on a journey uh, to save the world from an alien threat. And if that sounds very familiar, uh, it probably should if you know anything about earthbound mm-hmm. yep so i i think it's safe to say that the elephant in the room is that this is a poor man's earthbound you ain't wrong <laughs> yeah and it's kind of true uh but this game is incredibly interesting and it does have its own merits it's just that those merits became very outdated the moment that earthbound came out well yeah and this, this also was released like we said in 1989 in japan which is like a year before the super nintendo came out and so in, in japan kind yeah of like it was already kind of like uh dated like if you look at it you're like oh my god this is a late nes game so, yeah. I mean, but Earthbound had the same thing when it came to America in '94. You're looking at it like this is a Super Nintendo game. I don't know if you guys saw Final Fantasy VI, but what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. the The graphic style is very simplified, and it almost has a Peanuts quality to the bit. art style. Mm-hmm. It's uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about right now, uh, like Charlie Brown, like the, it's that comic series, Peanuts. It's very reminiscent of that in that it's kind of simplified and it's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so it's, it's basically Earthbound, you know, kind of a parody of the RPG genre where rather than being set in medieval fantasy times, it's set in more modern times, you know, kind of right. uh, uh, an Americana setting. Uh, there's no rolling HP meter like in Earthbound. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little less plot and story, less events, less areas to go to, but it's sort of a 
proto earthbound yeah well and when i when i first played it i'm sure it's similar to you was in the late 90s when emulators kind of became a, a thing that we could could use and mm-hmm. we're like hang on a second there's another earthbound and as like huge earthbound fans like finally like yes and then we're, oh this is basically that same game i already played but i don't know feels different and so like for us uh, for for a western audience it really kind of feels like you said a, a an earthbound light or a proto earthbound just a a way to kind of get the idea out there and then you kind of just build on that and make earthbound or mother two however you want to call it um and then you you knock it out of the park yeah basically uh it's uh, uh and that's not to say that this game is bad by any means it's just like I, I think uh, I think a Japanese audience having played it first and then go to Earthbound, you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Oh, man, this is better. Whereas us Americans, we're like, oh, this game is great. Oh, this... Can I go back to the other one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and special shout out to uh, Matrick on stage, who uh, I distinctly remember calling him and asking him how to work emulators... Because in back in what would it have been seventh grade or whatever, mm-hmm. when I was playing this, or trying to get to you know my emulator to work to yeah. play it, uh, he's the one who walked me through it, and I'll never forget hearing that introduction song. Oh yeah, and just sitting there on that screen, and just there's something emotional about that song, which we'll get to later, uh, and go a little deeper into that. But uh, yeah, it just I remember sitting there and being like, oh man, this is so cool mm-hmm. playing you know old nintendo games that never came to america on my computer like this is yeah. this is what the future was designed <laughs> for uh but xander i do want to chat with you a little about a, a little bit about the origins of mother in japan yes please so shigesato itoi who's a copywriter essayist lyricist an actor voice actor and then eventually a video game designer mm-hmm. uh, proposed this game to Nintendo. In in his head, Shigesato Itoi was like, "This is an interesting idea. This is you know a really cool, unique thing. I'm popular in Japan. Like this is this is a, a no brainer." He mm-hmm. sat down with uh, Shigeru Miyamoto in a meeting, and Miyamoto wasn't so sure about it at first. Right. Apparently, uh, Itoi was pretty upset after his first meeting with Miyamoto because Miyamoto was like, listen, you're in advertising and stuff. He's like, you handle concepts. He's like, you're in my world now, basically. Like, this is the world of video games and you need to perform. Like, you need to make something. Like, I don't know if you can do it. So, uh, apparently, Shigesato Itoi, who from what I understand, had been very influenced by, like, Dragon Quest when it first came out in Japan. Mm-hmm. Hence why Mother 1, especially, let alone Earthbound, Mother 3, are so very reminiscent of the Dragon Quest series, uh, otherwise known as Dragon Warrior in America, uh, is Not because anymore. it had a pretty... Grown up. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it had that big uh, impact on him as a, uh, when he was a little younger, uh, and so he sort of wanted to set out to do his own thing like that. Uh, he ended up going into a second meeting with Shigeru Miyamoto and had uh, cut down on his, because, you know, he was still a, uh, you know, a 
copywriter and stuff, mm -hmm. still in the advertising business. So he had cut back on his hours and stuff to, to mm -hmm. show that he was really, you know, wanted to do this. And so apparently uh, Shigeru Miyamoto took some flack on his end. A lot of people on his end were like, what are you doing? Another celebrity game? This is going to be a train wreck. Are you stupid? Because <laughs> uh, I guess there was a lot of like celebrity games going on around there. Like, uh, uh, oh, what is that game called? Uh, Takeshi's Challenge or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, can't I can't remember the, this exact title, but yeah. And that yeah, was so, notoriously like an awful game. Oh yeah, horrendously bad, but like on purpose bad. And so people were like, you know, giving heck to Miyamoto and Miyamoto had said, he was like, I, I was won over by his confidence. You know, he, he, or he, he had confidence in Itoi, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's because Itoi essentially went to him and was like, hey, I just stopped working my other job. Like, <laughs> right. let's do this. Uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, uh, kind of how it got started. Uh, apparently, it was really tough on Shigesato Itoi. Uh, he had a lot of difficulty and stuff, but uh, he ended up going through with it. And, uh, you know, kind of the rest is history in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, uh, Itoi has worked on a couple other uh, video games, like on a producer and a supervisor role. Are you familiar with what else he's done? No, of course, Earthbound and Mother right. Three. Uh, it doesn't he have like a bass fishing game? Uh huh. <laughs> what is it called? Uh, Itoi Shigesato no Boss Tsuri Number One. So, what would that be? Shigesato Itoi's Number One Bass Fishing. I'm yeah. I'm assuming it's like bass tournament or something like that. Uh, any other big games? I can't uh, think of anything else. Monopoly. <laughs> he did a version of Monopoly in Japan. And, and the Monopoly game too. <laughs> for for SNA, for Super Famicom. Seriously? Yeah. I kind of want to see the Japanese version of the Monopoly game just to know if it's any different than like a regular version. Yeah, he's uh <laughs> he's got six video game credits to his name. Uh three of which are mother and then the bass tournament and then two Monopoly games. That's six more than I have, so you know. Yeah. I mean, even if a few of them are weird, all the more power to them. I mm -hmm. uh, so Xander, this is a first for Legend of Retro. Is this the first time we've covered a game that was never originally released in America? Um, I think so. So. This game almost came to America. And, and arguably did. <laughs> sure. Years, years after the fact. Uh, and which... if we go by that, technically we can't cover it for another five years. But... <laughs> yeah, it was released on the, essentially like the virtual console in, uh, uh, for the Wii U. Yeah, June of 2015. What a wonderful day that was. Like at E3, Itoi just shows up. He's like, oh, hey, uh, you know Earthbound? And we're like, Yes. <laughs> Yes, we know Earthbound. He's like, here's uh, here's the first one you guys never got, but you guys have all played. Here you go. It's on the Wii U starting right now. Have fun. I I will say, uh, I had I was kind of emotional for that. Mm -hmm. For the fact that it felt nice that my favorite video game series was getting attention that it was not had not gotten in a long time. Yeah, uh, it was not Mother Three. 
but right. it was a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I don't see us ever getting Mother 3. Uh, maybe years down the road when they do a Mother 1, 2, 3 collection or something. Right. And, you know, something like that comes out. All right, fair enough. Well, let's uh, see. Um, yeah, so 1989 to 2015 was 21 years. We haven't got any kind of Earthbound release for 21 years for Mother 2. So maybe we have to wait. What was that? 2005. So 2036. Maybe we'll just randomly get it on whatever Nintendo console is then. <laughs> the Switch Seven. Yeah. Right. We can. We can only hope. I. Uh, but yeah, back in the day, though, this game did almost come to America in 1991. Yeah, it was uh, fully translated. A cartridge was made for it, but mm-hmm. was never mass produced. Yeah, Phil Santop, uh, who was the localizer for that game, uh, uh, Lindblom, uh, what is it, Marcus Lindblom, mm-hmm. was the guy who did Earthbound for Super Nintendo. Uh, but for what was going to be called Earthbound at that time, uh, this guy, Phil Sandhop, uh, went on record and said that uh, uh, the game was going to have like an 80-page like player's guide or whatever Mm -hmm. uh it was it was basically going to be what earthbound was uh and then nintendo abruptly like at the last minute because they finished pretty much everything yeah nintendo stepped in it was like no like this cartridge is going to cost an arm and a leg because of the fact it has to have a memory card Mm -hmm. uh, or memory added to it uh the super nintendo is coming out later this year like no there's no way and so we so lost... we're just gonna do Mother Two instead. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because for a long time I was pretty negative about that when it came to Nintendo. I was like, you know, you were done with it. How couldn't you just put it out there? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is the game would have went out, it wouldn't have sold, and then when Mother Two came out, Nintendo mm-hmm. would have been like, no, no, no. Yep. And so we made out like bandits. We did. It if really is was, best case scenario. Yeah. If there was any game of the three that I feel like I would have wanted to have in my life in America, mm-hmm. Mother 2. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I Mother 1 is an incredibly interesting game. Uh, it has its merits. Uh, I don't mind heavy grinding, so it doesn't bother me. But you want to know the crazy part, Sander? What's up? Our version that uh, was put onto the ROM, you know, Earthbound Zero that popped on the ROM was the version, of course, that Phil Sandhop worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it added the run button. The Japanese version didn't have that. Oh, geez. Uh, and it also uh, played around with adding a little bit to the ending. It reduced the difficulty and the grinding. And it still was a grind-heavy game. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine how much more tough the Japanese version is. Yeah. And it is it is a tough grind too. Like, from what I, so when it came out for the Wii U Virtual Console, I made it probably the farthest that I've ever made it in the game. I got mm-hmm. to Lloyd, and I think, and that's that's when I stopped, uh, just because of the grinding. Like, yeah. I just kind of lost. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of the same way I do in a lot of RPGs nowadays, where I'm like, I'm going to go heavy grinding for a while, and then I get to a point where like, oh, I can't grind here because these things are too powerful. And these things aren't giving me really enough experience. And I just kind of like piddle out. Um, it's tough. Yeah. It, and yeah. Like the beginning of the game, it's, you have to, you have to stay close to home because you need to go back and heal so often. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, there's so few RPGs like that where like, actually I take that back. Dragon quest. 
the very first Dragon Quest, mm-hmm. especially the Japanese version, which was a little bit more stingy with experience, you have to hover around that little starting area around the castle and the town, mm-hmm. or else you'll bump into an enemy and die. Yeah. And that's the same thing they did with Earthbound Zero, where, you know, the farmer Wally, that like one of the first enemies you fight, will kick your butt oh, if yeah. you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's it's incredibly tough to recommend. Because and you also go a very long time before you get a second party member. Yeah. You Lloyd is your second party member. Mm-hmm. And Lloyd isn't that powerful. No. Like in Earthbound, Jeff has bottle rockets and bombs, and you can honestly get him some pretty powerful weapons if you fix stuff. Mm-hmm. Lloyd doesn't have that benefit. Yeah. Basically, like Ninten, the main character. So there's Ninten, Lloyd, Anna, and then Teddy, mm-hmm. though you only ever have three people in your team. I. Uh, Ninten is like this psychic powered brat who like psychically charges his baseball bat to be able to like rip apart elephants with it. Mm-hmm. He goes up to poor Lloyd and Lloyd's like, I don't have superpowers. And he's like, here's a BB gun. And he's like, I don't know if this BB gun can take down an elephant. It can <laughs> follow me. And little psychotic Ninten is dragging around this regular kid. Who he finds in a trash can. <laughs> I'm doing a trash can because he's getting bullied. Get out of that garbage can. I need you. I'm not garbage anymore. No, you're a distraction. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, you're still garbage, but also less distraction. So. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever imagined Nen 10 with a gruff, like, angry action movie voice. <laughs> It's a very different game when you think of it like that. <laughs> Lloyd, they've got your wife. But I'm not married. You, you are, are now. <laughs> to Eagleland. <laughs> oh, man. I do. One thing I really enjoy about the game is the, uh, the like you say, the enemies, uh, which some of them carry over to Earthbound, but then there's some like Farmer Wally and um, like there's the, the angry tree stump. Like and I, I don't remember all the character the enemy names of course, but the character design is really interesting. Like you go from the very simplistic, uh, like overworld map to these battles, and the the enemy art is like surprisingly detailed considering everything else. Oh, absolutely! Honestly, much like Earthbound, there are certain aspects of the art of the game that really excel, mm-hmm. and then there's like weirder parts that are a little bit more lax in their art. And and I think that you know Itoi is good about that in his games where, you know, he knows what to stylize. He knows what to go more detailed on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the some of the, the enemies uh, in the bestiary of, of Mother One are kind of creepy. Like there's some weird kind of darker, twisted looking stuff. But then yeah. you also, you know, like there's a part of the game where Ninten has to fight through the zoo. So he fights elephants and hyenas and like, mm-hmm. you know, crocodiles and stuff. And it's funny because, you know, I, I wouldn't say the enemies are misplaced in Earthbound, but there's somehow something a little bit more 
maybe not realistic, but yeah, I guess realistic in a sense that when you fight the elephants and hyenas and stuff, it's not just like in a forest in a random area. It's actually at the zoo. Yeah. You know, that's kind of interesting to me. We actually had uh, in the Discord recently someone share a comic, which I've seen before, but it's always funny to, to go back and look at it. Uh, a safe soul in, in our Discord shared a, a comic of, of Earthbound, and it's Ness leaving the house, and he says, I gotta go save the world. Love you, Mom. And he leaves, and then the mom's like, I believe in you, Ness. And like, is just like watching in horror, and then it cuts to another scene, and there's like two dead crows, and then Ness is like about to swing his baseball bat at a dog. Like, oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah, that's just a really I mean that that's kind of what you think of like, oh here's this this teenage boy, he's come to the metrop the, the, the neighboring metropolis and he's beating drunk people and women who <laughs> just left the shopping center. Like it, <laughs> it's so dark when you think of it like that, but there is a, a, a and I don't think we got into it much in our Earthbound episode. I would love to do a uh, a game shark episode where we dive into just how dark earthbound is Mm -hmm. and i mean even to a lesser extent uh mother one uh there is a uh kind of an underlying darkness to the series let alone earthbound Mm -hmm. and even a bit of cosmic horror sprinkled in you know with the fact that like these alien monsters and stuff and you know there there's something kind of twisted when you really start to overthink about mother one yeah you know well we still have part two of earthbound coming up one of these days oh we'll inevitably have to go back to it (laughs) because there's just so much to talk about yeah i but i xander so you never really got that far in uh mother one Nope, and I've never watched uh, Let's Play. I've never, I've never really kind of seen the rest of the game past Lloyd. Well, there uh, are. De- oh yeah, I've seen. I take that back because I did when around the time when we first got the emulator, I was over at uh, Matrix's house when we were when we were kids, you know, childhood good friends and yeah. uh, always hanging out. And I would go over, and I think I saw him fight Geek. So I saw towards the end, but I never, I never made it there myself. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, there, there's honestly a fair bit to the game. There's like a part where you go into the desert and get a tank. Uh, you befriend like a robot who helps you through the like you know one of the final dungeon areas, which is obscenely difficult area. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there's a, a surprisingly large amount to the game, and the one thing that it does have over Mother Two is that they flesh out mid-game rather than just wait until the ending uh they flesh out a little bit more with the relationship between ninten and anna Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting to me because you know like in earthbound you know at the end of the game spoiler i guess uh you know basically ness takes paula home and she's like, oh, I kind of want to tell you something, but I guess I'll tell you the next time I see you. And it's sort of inferred, oh, you know, she has a crush on Ness or whatever. Like, you know, that's right. what you can take from that, I think. Uh, but like, there's a like a love scene oh. of, uh, uh, in, of a, in a sense of uh, from uh, Nintendo and Anna. It's where the song Fall in Love comes from on the album. Mm-hmm. 
and so yeah there there's uh uh there's just you know interesting little things throughout the game that do make it worth playing even if it is a poor man's earthbound right well maybe it'll get added on to uh the switch's nintendo thing if, if it's something that i can carry with me i'm more likely to go all the way through it especially yeah. for the grinding aspect of it oh yeah and the wii u almost had it but not quite <laughs> yeah eh, it was almost there but, we all need to get one of those fancy machines, the the emulators that are, that are portable. Oh, retro pie. Yeah, whatever. That's I. Uh, I think in our Discord, Johnny Wright and uh, Player One Miggy both have have shown me this uh, device that they have that like has a whole bunch of old retro games on it, and uh, that might have to be the way I do it because I also want to play through Mother Three again because I've not oh, yeah. played through that since it uh, since it was released. And by release, I, of course, mean fan translated, you know, <laughs> yes. a year or two after it was actually released. Yeah, that was the last time I played Mother 3 as well. I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to go back to playing Mother 3. You might be. I mean, uh, that's, what, 15 years ago? So you might be uh, in a better place mentally. Who knows? <laughs> well, you would hope so. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you get a chance to to play it. I'd love to see this pop up on the uh the switch online yeah me too you know i, I heck uh regular earthbound for super nintendo isn't even on there yet nope hasn't given me another reason to play through that again for the billionth time yet <laughs> well yeah i mean i I've, i'm sure i've played earthbound enough yeah <laughs> i'll still keep playing it at least like once a year for the rest of my life right but regardless yeah i i've you know i'm sure i've touched on that enough mm-hmm. i so, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, Earthbound Zero, Mother One, uh, there are a few more things that I wanted to uh, uh, bring up. And one of which is the fact that uh, when this first came out, it got pretty good ratings in Japan. Mm-hmm. Famitsu gave it a 31 out of 40. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I don't know about these days, Famitsu might be a little bit more liberal with their higher scores. I'm not entirely sure. But at the time, they were pretty stingy. Like, even really good games weren't necessarily getting, like, perfect marks in the Famitsu magazine. And, uh, yeah, 31 out of 40 ain't that bad. Yeah, I, I have no, I'm not familiar with uh, their, um, their scoring system. But, yeah, I mean, regardless, 31 out of 40 is pretty good. Uh, the way Famitsu does it, the reason it's out of 40 is because they have four people reviewing the game mm-hmm. and they each give it up to 10 points. Oh, okay. Oh, so, wow. yeah. yeah, you know, four people giving it that much to get that 31 out of uh, uh, 40 is not too shabby. That's three people who absolutely loved it and one dude who didn't care for it at all. <laughs> three people gave it a 10 and then the other one was like, what, there's not even a run button? Have you seen how much grinding <laughs> is in this? I'm not playing this trash. Wally killed me in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> I will never, never forgive Wally. <laughs> I will hold this grudge until the day I die. I don't know why suddenly the reviewer has the same voice of Ninten. Uh, Ninten's still a little bit more gravelly. Like, oh, I suppose that's true. <laughs> I... But yeah, let's uh, at least talk about the opening to the game, uh, which is what you're a little bit more familiar with. Mm -hmm. So 
the game opens up, and I gotta say, I feel like Earthbound's opening is very interesting, and I really like it, and I think it fits more to the story, but -hmm. there's definitely something more exciting about your lamp trying to kill you in the first five seconds. Right. (laughs) Definitely kind of like, what the heck is happening, more so than, oh, a meteor has landed? Yeah, you know, in Earthbound, it's a little bit more subdued. It's a little bit more like, oh, there's a little mystery. Like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Whereas in Mother 1, uh, your lamp tries to kill you because a poltergeist is attacking your house. Mm-hmm. And so you run into another room and your little sister is uh, being attacked by uh, her own dolly. Oh, yep. And then uh, you beat the heck out of it, because that's what big brothers do. Right. They rip apart your toys that are being possessed by poltergeists. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I always told my sister when I ruined her toys. I mean, that's what my brother always said when he came and ruined mine. <laughs> it's the, it's the, the eldest uh, sibling uh, credo. It's always a poltergeist. You're always doing it for their own good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you... Uh, uh, you stop this poltergeist attack and you at that point you know it's like all right this is weird and your mom's like oh that's crazy here's a key to the basement which you've never been in (laughs) have fun it's like okay also i'm not going to tell you anything about your grandpa sorry (laughs) we don't talk about your grandfather and what he did (laughs) okay uh, which is similar to how my family works. Right. Uh, but yeah, you find out that your grandpa had, uh, you know, contact with an alien. Your great-grandmother, like, went missing. And uh, you kind of get thrown out into the world knowing that there's something out there that you need to deal with. You're, like, a this natural-born hero. And that, you know, you know, something's going on. You got to look into it. Sounds like a typical childhood. Yeah, it was pretty normal for mine. Huh. Didn't spend a lot of time at home as a child, honestly. Crazy old grandpa and his alien friends. Friends is a strong word when it comes to <laughs> uh, uh, good old George from Mother One. Uh, but yeah, you, you end up getting uh, uh, exploring the area around your home. You find that there's a, vidili- a village of canary people. Uh, there's a little girl named Pee-Pee who uh, went missing. Mm-hmm. And you got to go to a graveyard and get her back. Yeah. And you start seeing more and more of those elements, like go into the graveyard, uh, you know, stuff like that, that sort of bled their way into Mother 2. Yep. Uh, any, uh, uh, any straw, aside from grinding <laughs> over and over again, uh, any strong memories from the beginning of uh, uh, Mother One, Xander, that kind of stand out to you? Uh, just exploring uh, Magicent was always a lot of fun. It was it's kind, it kind of strange, like going from like that's one of the last places you go in, in Mother Two versus like one of the first places you go in Mother One, and you kind of yeah. keep going back to Magicent, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you do. You you fairly frequently go back there. Uh, there's you know much like Dragon Quest games at that time. You know, they weren't very linear. It was just sort of, hey, here's a bunch of stuff to do in the game that you need to do at some point. A lot of it will kill you if you try to do it early, Mm -hmm. but it's there. 
you know? And so, yeah, you, you kind of go back and forth, go to Magican, and, you know, I, I guess I'll avoid spoilers less for our listeners and more for you, uh, Xander, but I... Because I, ain't nobody going to play this game but me. <laughs> that is probably true. Uh, but yeah, you, you end up finding out what's the deal with Magican, uh, the, the queen, I think it's Queen Mary, yep. who's, uh, who rules there. Uh, and, you know, it, it's all fairly interesting stuff. It's, you know, it's honestly, I would say for the Nintendo, one of the better RPGs and one of the more interesting stories. It's just, you know, a lot of RPGs on the Nintendo have a lot of grinding and they, you know, have a hard time holding up today's standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would say for any of our listeners who were into the old Dragon Quest games, Mother 1 is definitely for you. I yeah. would say even more so than Mother 2. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities as far as the the grinding and then kind of like the uh, there's no real guide of where you need to go next. Like they give you ba- a little tiny hints, kind of the same way the, the first Dragon Quest game does where it's like, oh, you, sh- you didn't talk to this one villager, so you don't know to go here? Sorry about that. That's on you. Talk to everybody. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely something uh, uh, that I think DQ fans will enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do hope our listeners go and listen to it, and I hope they enjoy it. But uh, uh, at this point, this is my appeal to you, Xander, that I hope that at some point you get to sit down and be able to play this game. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll try to do a stream of it sometime. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, so can we talk about the music? I thought you'd never ask. But there's one thing we have to do first, and that is listen to a word from one of our partners. We are lucky to have them. Let's hear what they have to say. Imagine being stuck in a room for days, far from your friends and family while feeling sick and scared. Now, imagine being in that same room, but having access to online gaming, virtual reality, 3D printing, Lego robotics, and the ability to create your own Twitch channel. At CS Mott Children's Hospital, we use video game technology to improve our patients' lives and help them reach their therapeutic goals. But we can't do it without your help. Every device and interaction provided to our patients is paid for by the thoughtful donations of gamers like you. If you want to help, then go to tiltify.com slash mottchildren. That's T-I-L-T-I-F-Y dot com slash M-O-T-T children. There, you can make a one-time donation, or if you're a content creator, learn how to stream for Mott. So if you want to help other gamers like you, please visit tiltify.com slash mottchildren and play for the little victors. So, the music, which is probably the best part of this game. Mm-hmm. I know the music better than I know the actual game. <laughs> I've played the game and I know the music way better than I know the game. The music was composed, of course, by Keiichi Suzuki and Hirokazu Tanaka, mm-hmm. who of course went on to compose the music for Mother 2 Earthbound. Mm-hmm. So Suzuki uh, co-founded the band called The Moon Riders, which is a pretty popular rock band from Japan. Uh, but he's also composed uh, for the movies Tokyo Godfathers, uh, Uzumaki, and then, you know, of course, Earthbound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanaka worked on early episodes of the Pokemon anime. Okay. Yeah, he did some of the music in the early episodes. I thought that was interesting. Uh, but otherwise, he has more video games to his name. He did Balloon Fight, Stack Up, Gyromite, Metroid, 
Kid Icarus, Super Mario Land, mm-hmm. a bunch of other games, and then, of course, Earthbound. Yeah, there's a lot of very early Nintendo games that just have such, like, simple and yet charming music. And you can pretty much guess if, it's, if it has that kind of sound to it, it's a hip Tanaka song. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like this is the magnum opus for Hirokazu Tanaka's work on the Nintendo or Famicom. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel like he was able to do a lot with the little tiny sound card that he was given on the Nintendo. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and the I Game mean, Boy, man, <laughs> like the Super Mario Land soundtrack is, I mean, it has no business being as good as it is for being a Game Boy port. Let alone like the first Game Boy game ever. Yeah. Birabudo Kingdom is like, Oh, man, one of my favorite songs ever. And the ending in Mario Land? Mm-hmm. The, That's the another main... episode. <laughs> it is, yes. And, and, you know, we go on and on about the rest of his work. Right. Let's talk about his work in this game. Yes, let's start. And you mentioned earlier, we're going to start with the song that opens up the game. As soon as you hit the power button, there's no Nintendo. There's no ape. There's, it's just like... Here you go. You hit the power button and you are immediately greeted with this. coming out of that tiny little sound chip on that tiny little Famicom uh, that I adore. I feel like, I don't know that it's objectively the best song on the game by any means, but I think subjectively it might be my favorite. It's, It's strangely like emotional. Yeah. And maybe it's that tie that we mentioned before of like, we loved Earthbound and this was our chance to play the, the, the original. And then, this is what we got, but like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Something it's like haunting and like enchanting all at the same time. Like it's yeah, 
I think it's the, the three different layers. So you have the dun, dun, like just like the very like the chimey kind of sound. You have obviously the bass that's just ever present, and then there's the lighthearted melody. And I think the three of those are kind of without sounding like too much of a I know music theory because I don't. Um, <laughs> you've got the the low, just like the deepness to it, but then the 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 lightheartedness to it at the same time, and that is perfectly encapsulating the spirit of Earthbound. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, a lot of songs from Mother One made their way to the you know, Mother Two while mm-hmm. the two, same two composers were working on it. This is a song that I would have loved to have heard a redux on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I love the introduction in Earthbound. Like, I, I love that music a lot. Uh, so I, I wouldn't necessarily want to replace anything with it, but I yeah. still would have loved to have this in it because, yeah, this is such a powerful song. And I, you know, shout out to our listeners, you know, who who are familiar with this game and its soundtrack. Does it give you the same feeling? By all means, jump into our Discord. Go to GameZillaMedia.com. The link for our Discord is there. Let us know how you feel about that because I, I am super curious because for me and Xander, it's kind of emotional. But I'm curious if it's just us. I don't know. Yeah, it might be. And everybody else that we ask has also played the game and they have that same kind of feeling. Well, mm-hmm. most of the people that we're close enough to anyway. Right, yeah. But uh, so uh, we'll take a look next at uh, Pollyanna, which is like the field theme from the game. And mm-hmm. if you are an Earthbound fan, you'll no doubt recognize a little bit of this as well. It's great. I love it. Uh, I also feel like, uh, whereas Earthbound had different music for the different areas you go to, like different Mm -hmm. towns, you know, and the areas around them have their own music. I will say I do really enjoy the, like, world map musics, if you will, the field musics uh, for Mother One, uh, because that song is awesome. Yeah. And uh, we would be remiss to not mention that the, like, album version, the commercial album of this game that came out. Oh, we'll out. get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Never mind that. We'll wait on that. <laughs> uh, so the next song that I chose, I don't actually recall if I heard in the game where this is from, but I love, I I just love this track. And I think it kind of has the same kind of like deepness and emotion that the opening song has. So the song is called Wisdom of the World.
do believe you would have heard it because I think it gets played when you meet Queen Mary. Yeah, I was gonna as I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, I think I did definitely hear this. I think so. That is an awesome song, though. I really yes. like that. There's not really a bad song in the entire soundtrack, let's be honest. <laughs> There's some weirder stuff now mm-hmm. and again, but it's certainly not bad. It's it's what it was designed to do. It did very well what it set out to do, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so the next song we're going to listen to is another one of Craig's picks. This is Youngtown. Youngtown for a few reasons. One is because I wanted to highlight a song that will make its way almost directly to mm-hmm. Earthbound. This is in that game is the theme of Paula. Mm-hmm. I, but I also there's something kind of sad about the theme of Youngtown that I enjoy. There's there's a certain kind of melancholy behind it, and when you're at that stage in the game, I won't reveal much to avoid spoilers but it's a city of nothing but children because something happened to the adults. Uh-oh. And so, yeah, it's, there's, there's just sort of a kind of a sorrow to the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, Youngtown and Pollyanna both have, so, I mean, this one more so than Pollyanna um, are directly in, in Mother 2, but Pollyanna gets a slowed down version, which I also associate with Paul. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, it's just neat to hear those those different versions of the song. Uh, and the last song that we are, or not the last song, uh, the next song that we are doing is another song that we mentioned before um, with the uh, emotional storyline between Nintendo and Anna. This is Fall in Love. that version of it i mean obviously it's later on in the game but having listened to the soundtrack um well i guess we can dive into that next uh so this the the soundtracks that i'm most familiar with are the ones that came well one that came around the same time and ones that came later uh so there was one that was released around the same time as the game in japan uh that we know as the mother vocal album where uh it was these the songs from the game like i think it's nine songs from the game that are redone like it was with live musicians um it's, craig you, you know a little bit more about it than i do but 
Yeah, so uh, this album was uh, released by like CBS Sony. Uh, it was recorded in Japan, but also in England. Uh, and so of these tracks, uh, there's you know around 10 of them or whatever, uh, lyrics were uh, added and written by Linda Henrik, uh, but they were sung by Katherine Warwick Uh, and the St. Paul's Cathedral Choir. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if I'm not mistaken, the last time I looked up Katherine Warwick, uh, she was like a music teacher in England. Yeah, I thought, I I couldn't remember if it was in England or if she was, if she like worked at some church in in Canada, I thought I saw, but I could be. Oh, that could be. Horribly, horribly mistaken. It's been, it's been quite some time since I've looked her up. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so we have uh, uh, this album where, it, you know, it, they take these Nintendo songs, mm-hmm. use live instruments, and then for a good chunk of them, they're singing. Yeah, and the crazy thing is this album was released in August of 1989. So less than a month after the game came out, um, we they just are like, hey, here's this game. And I guess it's because of Shigesato Itoi. Like, I, I don't I'm think sure, it, yeah. anybody else would have the pull of like, hey, we're going to do this music. <laughs> Well, you also have uh, 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 Okichi Suzuki. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like that tag team probably Perfect did story. have, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really interesting because I didn't find out about this album until I don't know, like nineteen ninety nine. So ten years later, I was like randomly looking up Earthbound music on Kazaa or whatever <laughs> Napster, <laughs> and you come across like. Oh, the Flying Man. I love the Flying Man theme song. And you'd go to listen to it, you're like, whoa, hang on a second. This isn't what I'm familiar with. Whoa, hang on a second. This has words. Well, you know, and you're, you know, at the time I was 13, 14, like my mind is blown as I'm listening to this song. And it remains one of my favorite songs to this day. Um, so here's a little bit of, of uh, from that album. I picked just one song, even though every single song on the album is fantastic. Uh, this is Flying Man. Show me. 
this song was sung by Louis Philip, and uh, who is a French singer, songwriter, musician. And I'm, I, when I was choosing songs for the game, I had specifically chosen just from the game itself because I mm-hmm. didn't know if we wanted to like dive into the, the, you know, uh, the album. But I'm so glad you did because this isn't just one of my favorite video game songs. Flying Man might be one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. That's I love it. Precisely what I said. And it was such a weird feeling like going here because you hear the song, the beginning of it sounds almost identical to how it sounds in Earthbound when you go to the Flying Man. It's just like the very, like the ukulele kind of sound. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, 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 just the bass and the drums like, oh man, this is, this sounds really cool. It's like, this is a cool version of the song. And then all of a sudden it hits you with the lyrics. You're like, well, this is strange, but like, I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the the actual album or the album version of the soundtrack or whatever is incredibly interesting. Uh, aside from the fact that it not only also adds in the 8-bit, you know... World of Mother. like Yeah, that. it's just like a bunch of the songs from the game thrown in. It's a medley, which I'm a sucker yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, no, it's great. Like the, the whole soundtrack is amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's... it's I it Probably one of my proudest gems in my collection of vinyl records i agree as much as i was i was super bummed out to miss out originally on the the pressing of the the vinyl for earthbound mother two Mm -hmm. but i was happy that i at least had mother one yeah (laughs) that that one soundtrack is something i can just i can listen to over and over again um but I do have one more pick. And again, just to kind of reference like the soundtracks that I'm familiar with versus what, it, what you hear in the game. Uh, in 2005 or two, maybe 2004, when Mother 3 was raring to come out, Mother 1 and 2 were released in Japan as a Game Boy Advance cartridge. They bundled them together. Yeah. Uh, and they also made a soundtrack for that, which I fell in love with. And I think the reason why I wanted to bring out this, other, this next song from another album is just to show like the genius of Kaichi Suzuki and hear Kazu Hip Tanaka when their music is is translated to live instruments it's just it's a wonderful thing so uh Earthbound fans will recognize this as the song from the shop it's the song from the shop from Earthbound it's uh known as Humoresque of a Little Dog and uh, I love this version so I was going to bring this up too because they're both official soundtracks and if we're talking about the music we have to touch on official soundtracks so here's uh Humoresque of a Little Dog particular the ver- version of the song just continues to build and build upon that simple melody until it's just like absolutely insane all these toy instruments that come in it's just it, it's, it's such a charming little song it is it, it, it i love that it has such a twangy country feel because mm-hmm. i feel like country is a genre in video game music that doesn't pop up very often unless what 
Red Dead Redemption or something, you know? Yeah, like, and even then, it's it's uh, it's not exactly the country you're expecting. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, uh, not that I'm the hugest fan of country music, but I definitely like that old classic style twangy country music. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, it's great. I love that version of that song. Speaking, and this is a, this is a, a last minute addition to the music. Um, speaking of just like old twangy music, uh, this is a song I wish was on the vocal album, just like had ever been redone. This is uh, Yucca Desert from uh, Earthbound Zero slash Mother. that really instead of covering earthbound the games we should just cover the soundtracks because this, uh, this, yeah. this music section's gone on a very long time <laughs> this might be one of the longest music sections we've ever done maybe but it's <laughs> worth it this these songs are so good right it's so great well do you have anything else you want to touch on with uh with mother before we we move on it is so hard to recommend to today's audience, but I think that if you're a fan of old school JRPGs, Mother One, Earthbound Zero, Earthbound Beginnings, whatever you want to call it, uh, is definitely worth trying out. There's mm-hmm. a lot of grinding. It can be a bit of a slog at times because it can be difficult, but uh, I think that it's uh, I think that it's worth playing. Absolutely. And if you're a fan of Earthbound and you haven't played this yet expect to be a little uh underwhelmed but uh it's a it's a it's definitely something to experience all right with that let's uh let's look back and uh, go through our retro rewind for this week ready to go back in time it's retro rewind grand theft auto 3 i'll get into cdi starting at 299 say it Suck it up the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with power. I'm in a really good mood after listening to all that great music, Craig. Why don't you read me some headlines from July of 1989 to just bring me right back down? You know that's what I'm here for, Xander. <laughs> so I, uh, as per the norm for Retro Rewinds, uh, when I'm doing research, I pull up the Detroit Free Press Uh Legend of Retro is recorded in the Detroit area. And so uh, I go ahead and pull out those old newspapers. And we took a look at July 27th, 1989. And not a ton was going on, but a small little blurb caught my attention and made it so I had to do a bunch of research to look into this. Was it local boy's birthday is in three days? It was. Nice. I knew my fourth birthday was in the... (laughs) Oh, nuts. So, Xander, in uh, Wuppertal, West Germany, that's right, the Berlin hadn't falled until November of 1991, so this was still West Germany, Mm -hmm. a Nazi war criminal that had escaped 
had been caught again uh, and brought to West Germany. And uh, uh, he had been caught in a hospital in Thun, Switzerland. By the way, Thun, I looked up, T-H-U-N, utterly gorgeous. It looks like a fairy tale town. Oh, yeah? I absolutely, at least Google image search and wish that we were allowed to leave the country of uh, United States of America, which we can't because of quarantine, <laughs> uh, and marvel at its beauty. But anyway, uh, a uh, Nazi war criminal was captured. So this guy, uh, who was known as, uh, uh, let's see, well, he's a Nazi, his name doesn't matter. Uh, he had been captured, well, let me take it back a bit. So he was once a part of the Hitler Youth, mm-hmm. then joined the SS, and later got injured uh, in the uh, Russian front and lost one of his eyes, uh, where he was then moved to Auschwitz. Mm. Yeah. He got the moniker of the William Tell of Auschwitz because he'd put items on the prisoners' heads and oh. then target practice. Why do, why do you do this to us, Craig? Well, here's the thing. You know, when you said... We should do a thing like we do with Noiseland on Legend of Retro. I was like, that could be cool. There's usually some good things. And then I should just thought about this. This is things I didn't didn't necessarily need. We're talking about good times, good music. And now you're talking about a Nazi soldier who just put things on people's head for target practice. There is a silver lining here. I certainly hope so. The silver lining is that he had been captured. He was brought to justice and then was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, he ended up getting released, but that was for health reasons because he was dying. That's why people get released from jail for health reasons is they're terminally ill. Mm-hmm. So this guy spent the last years of his life uh, until 1994 uh, in prison. But the craziest thing to me about this is that in 1989, they were still hunting down and trying Nazis. Wow. That seems so crazy to me that, like... 45 years later. (laughs) Yeah, they were still tracking down Nazis. And, like, you know, at this point, I can't imagine they're not all dead. But, Mm. you know, it's just, it's crazy to me that that was something that was going on in the world at the time. Hunting the remnants of war criminals down from, you know, uh, at that time, it would have been what? Yeah, 40-something years ago. Mm-hmm. 40 years before. But Xander, you tend to have a little bit more of a lighter side on the, uh, yes. uh, the, the you know, what was going on back then. So yes. fill me in. So as I, as I am wont to do, I pulled up the, uh, the top uh, songs from 19, July of 1989, the TV shows that, that began airing in 1989, and the movie releases for July of 1989. Which would you like to hear first, knowing that the movies needs to be last? <laughs> uh, let's jump into music. Let's, into let's jump music. back into something fun. All right. So in July of 1989, uh, specifically around the time this game was released, uh, the song that was the top song for, July 22nd, for the weeks of July 22nd and July 29th was uh, a song by Martika Toy Soldiers. Are you familiar with this song? I am. 
I am I wasn't until I pulled the song up. So here's a here's a little clip of that for those who are probably shaking their head in confusion like I was. Yeah, this isn't I, a song that I like. I, as I hear that chorus, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a little familiar, but by name, I would have had no idea. Oh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm not an expert when it comes to 80s music, but like that sounded familiar enough. And I'm glad I was right because I would have felt like an idiot if I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've never heard that song ever. <laughs> uh, as I also liked, so normally in, uh, in past retro rewinds, it's been like there are like six songs throughout the year that stayed tough uh, or, uh, stayed top uh this in 1989 it seems like every couple weeks there was a brand new one but then again we're also talking about the 80s uh so a couple other highlights from 1989 uh we had the beginning of the year was every rose has its thorn by poison uh we have straight up by paula abdul Ooh. um forever your girl again by paula abdul later in the uh in the year she was cranking out hits she sure was millie vanilli baby don't forget my number july 1st of 1989 <laughs> millie vanilli do you want to know the song that knocked out um toy soldiers Ooh, what bat dance by prince because we're getting into batman territory oh man that's right i believe the i believe batman came out the earlier that year early in like in june but i could be could be mistaken but anyway that song took off on then all I remember is it's 80 from 89. I never remember what month it was. Yeah. Hanging Tough by New Kids on the Block uh, came out. Uh, let's see, September. That would have been the week of your birthday. Oh, September oh, So good. a week before. The week of your birthday was Don't Want to Lose You by Gloria Estefan. Oh, I can live with that. Yeah. Uh, we Didn't Start the Fire rounded out the year by Billy oh. Joel in December. Uh, for television, we are, it's, uh, it's not as interesting. Well, no. I take that back because we got something pretty, pretty big debuting in July of 1989. Oh, what's A that? little show about nothing called Seinfeld. <gasps> wow. Was Seinfeld 89? Yes, it was. I thought it was like 1990, 1991. No, it started in the late eighties. Crazy. Yep. Uh, also debuting in July of 1989, Night and Day, which was a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was a uh, sitcom about radio broadcasters, Hank Knight and Everett Day. Oh, I, I didn't know that one. And uh, another show that I could have sworn was the 90s, a Nickelodeon hit called Hey Dude. Hey Dude. Yep. I really dislike that show. I, it was one of those things like, uh, it's on, it's not salute your shorts, but I'll watch it. <laughs> it was it was a poor man salute your shorts. Yeah. It's kind of sad that we aren't talking about August or September of uh, 1989, because you know what we got in those months? Oh, what's that? Saved by the Bell. <laughs> oh, man. September 2nd, 1989, a little show called G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero debuted. <gasps> Oh my God. September 4th, we got the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. <gasps> September 9th, we got Captain and the Game Master. Oh God, how did we not cover a game in September of 89? I don't know, man. We're crazy. Yeah, we uh, is. September 6th, Dink the Dinosaur. Dink the Little Dinosaur. I remember that. <laughs> man, I just had a bunch of flashbacks. Yep. And then, of course, December 1989. The Simpsons. That's right. 
So 89's got some, uh, some good television shows that popped up. It does. Uh, what about movies? You, you were saving that for last. Yes. So movies. There are, uh, it's a handful of, it's, it's a bunch of movies I'm familiar with, a lot of which I've never seen. Uh, but we have uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah. Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, great. Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> wow. That was, uh, uh, yeah, it would have been then. Yeah. Uh, Turner and Hooch. Huh. Parenthood. Not as familiar with that. Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland. Oh, man. That's July, pretty cool. July 15th, 1989. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, July 29th, 1989. Oh, Christ. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, and probably the one that means the most to you mm-hmm. is a movie. Uh, and I'm just going to read this a quick little synopsis, leaving out specific words and see if you can tell me what movie this is. All right. After capturing a drug lord, uh, a certain person is left for dead and his wife is murdered. This other person goes rogue and seeks vengeance on those responsible and infiltrates an organization posing as a hitman. If it helps you, Felix Leiter is left for dead and his wife is murdered. Ah, license to kill. Yes. You know, it's funny. I don't know why I was not thinking James Bond, but yeah, that would have been license to kill. Yep. That's amazing. It was released on uh, July 7th, 1989. The second and last movie to film Timothy Dalton. Well, as James Bond, anyway. (laughs) Surprisingly enough, back in the day, I really disliked Timothy Dalton as James Bond when I was first getting into Bond. Mm -hmm. I've since gone back more recently to watch Living Daylights and License to Kill. Awesome movies. I'll have to check them out. But if I'm going to check out any movie from July of 1989... It's going to be this one. What's one that? of my favorites of all time was released in July 21st, 1989. A little film starring my good friend, Al Yankovic, UHF. UHF? That's yeah. amazing! Oh, man. What a year for... What a July for... Uh, what's his name? The guy who played Kramer in Seinfeld. What's, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Oh, uh, Richard... Kramer. Richard Kramer, Cosmo Kramer, <laughs> Stanley Spadowski. I can't remember his real name. <laughs> Who cares? He he had some racial slur things later on. And anyway. Yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah, that anyway, wasn't great. That guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, but no, he he was fun in UHF, and of course he's you know great in Seinfeld. But uh, gotta look yeah, it up. Let's now. Not forget what he did later. Uh, what's his name? Michael Richards. Oh right. right. I had to look it up because I wasn't yeah. Anyway, Stanley Spadowski, UHF, it's a phenomenal movie. If you are a fan of Weird Al's music and you've never seen this movie, something's incredibly wrong with you. It's just honestly a fun movie in general. Yeah. It's, it's dumb, but it's so fun. It's so dumb, but it's so I mean, Conan the Librarian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where's this book? Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? And then cuts him in half? Like that's <laughs> Spatula I, City. <laughs> I still love the uh, the uh, the game show with the guy who's like, "You're so stupid." Oh, yeah. Wheel of Fish. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wheel of Fish. I every time I play uh, Animal Crossing and I catch a red snapper, I can't help but think, "Oh, the red snapper. Very good. <laughs> Do you want that or what's in the box? Uh, I'll take the box. <laughs> what's in the box?" 
Nothing! <laughs> Absolutely nothing! You're so stupid! <laughs> You're so stupid! It's so great! Oh, uh, God, now I want uh, Last Action Podcast to cover UHF. Oh, they better not do it without me. I'll fight someone. <laughs> Is it an action movie? Well, there's the scene where... Uh, the guy Weird gets out in half? No, we're, well, yeah, Conan the Librarian. Uh, there's also the Gandhi show where it's Gandhi just pulls out a gun and starts killing people. Uh, but there's also when, when Stanley Spadowski gets kidnapped, we, uh, Weird Al character goes and it's basically a parody of Rambo 2, or Rambo uh, First Blood Part 2. Oh, that's right! So there's action scene elements in there, so just let, me, yeah. just let me do UHF, guys. Let me just talk about UHF. <laughs> Uh, but that's uh, that's it for uh, movies, music, and television from July of 1989. Let's jump uh, into the future with future either Xander, Tony, uh, Craig, or Chops about what's going to happen in our music bracket. Thanks, past Craig and past Xander. It's me, future Xander, or present Xander, however you want to look at it. Today, on our stage theme bracket, we have a showdown between two classic composers, Koji Kondo and Koji Kondo. It's a Koji Kondo composition composition. Let's see what we have first. Up first is the overworld theme from Super Mario World. Going against that is the overworld from Super Mario Bros. 2. Thank you. 
how will you vote in this Koji Kondo composition competition? Only you can decide. How can you vote? Well, let's take a trip back to the past. Or the... The fu- the future? The present? I don't know. Let's just... Uh, past Craig. Past Xander. Take it away. Wasn't that a really interesting thing that he, she, or they said? Man, the future's crazy. I'll say. So, um, just in case they didn't mention it in the future, let's talk about how you can vote on our stage theme bracket. So you can go to facebook.com and look up the Legend of Retro. They're giving us some some grief with the, the polls right now, so you'll have to look up the Legend of Retro group, but we do also have a Legend of Retro fan page. Um, on the group is where we're able to post the polls so you can vote for your song there. You can join our Discord at gamezillamedia.com. Jump in the, the Discord there, and we put up a weekly emoji poll for you to vote. We also have our Twitter, uh, Legend of Retro GZ. Uh, on Twitter, you can vote there every single week. And if you are a Patreon supporter of $1 or more, uh, you get an extra vote there. What else do you get on Patreon for just a dollar, Craig? Man, for just a dollar, uh, you also are going to get access to our monthly show, State of the Zilla where uh, members of the GameZilla team just get together and chat about random uh, stuff that doesn't necessarily fall into the lines of one of the shows we do. But for $5 a month, you're going to get access to all of the shows on the network, their bonus uh, monthly show. So we have the Game Shark show from Legend of Retro. Yep. Uh, you have a post credit scene from Last Action Podcast, Smart mm-hmm. Line from Noiseland Arcade. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Behind the DM Screen from uh, Noobs and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to the Game Shark show, it's us covering random uh, retro topics, whether it's uh, covering a year in gaming. Uh, sometimes we'll put up special episodes like when we do our draft for the uh, brackets. Yep. Uh, we also have just sort of uh, uh, rhythm of retro episodes. There's tons of stuff. And at this point, there's like a year or so's worth of content just sitting there waiting for you at five bucks a month. More, probably more than a year. I'll give you, oh. a little, give you a little teaser, all right? So it's October. At the end of this month, we're going to be at the point where we're waiting on bracket information even longer. So we have a, an episode where we're going to cover the IGN top 100 PlayStation 2 games. And just like we did with the complex.com's uh, SNES, we're going to do the first 50 uh, as released as a regular episode. And the, the top 50, you got to be a Patreon subscriber to get that. If you want to hear the outrage about the PlayStation 2 games, you're going to need to go to, to patreon.com and uh, sign up as a $5 supporter and hear the top 50 games and our crazy reactions about it. I'm going to yeah. tell you, it gets pretty heated. <laughs> It does. And uh, the beauty of it, too, is that we'll also go into our own personal lists mm-hmm. of, get, you know, the games we, we love on the PlayStation 2, what we thought should be the top, you know, list. Uh, so, yeah, no, definitely check that out. It's, it's a, a ton of stuff for the $5 level. And if for no other reason than to hear our outrage. Yep. But we do want to take a moment to thank those of you who are already Patreon supporters. Uh, they, it helps us make these shows. It makes us make all the extra shows. 
it basically helps us do all the things that give you more content and more us. So thank you all for that. Um, if you are considering joining, uh, of course, it's it's not necessary, but we definitely so appreciate the support. So mm-hmm. thank you for even considering and listening to the show. Uh, if you can, just go on to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to this, this fine show, leave a comment, leave a review, let us know what you, how you think we're doing. Jump in the Discord, talk to us there. Uh, tell us how you feel about the Mother soundtrack and if it makes you feel as emotional as we do. But that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Legend of Retro podcast. Craig, do you have any parting words for us before we take off? Uh, yes, I'm sorry I brought the mood down. Well, that's okay, because we got to talk about Conan the Librarian. Maybe, you know, maybe we should do a State of the Zilla where we just watch UHF and laugh. And that's all it is. So just listen to us enjoy a movie. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if the listeners and patrons would, would appreciate it, but I know I would. They could sync it up and watch with us and they'll feel like they're laughing with us. Rather than laughing at us? Yes, for once in our lives. <laughs> All right, thanks so much for listening. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Legend of Retro podcast. And we will catch you next time when, when the, the legend, legend continues. continues.